Yeah. And that's on low. <laughs> Well, 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 well. Ooh, that's the sound of a party. Starting. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this fine radio program, podcast and video extravaganza known internationally Hi, Mom. as the world famous Smokin' and Toastin'. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. We're on good show number 273 today. And Ian, our brains are shrinking. You and me specifically. Oh, no. Yeah. And so we'll talk about that and tell you why. And I got a, a, a clue for you. It has something to do with drinking. <laughs> <laughs> drinking it, leads to shrinking, apparently. Does that mean my brains are pickled? Uh, well, no. It just means they're getting smaller. Smaller. Yeah, getting smaller. Plus, 11 beers you can never drink again. Ever? Ever. Even if you want to. And with many of them, you wouldn't. But, you know, it's still... The fact that I hate when somebody tells me I can't, you know, I've always right. been kind of like that. You can't do that. Well, I'll show <laughs> well, you. Just watch me. I'll find me a Falstaff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, so big Falstaff, thanks, you said. Big thanks to last, last week's guest, Sean Anger from Fox and Seeker. Uh, he brought some um, really wonderful gin. And uh, I think I haven't tried them yet, but I think he sent me his recipe for those cocktails he made. Nice. And he kept saying how he was not like a cocktail you know, maker. He didn't really. So I thought, well, if he made those that good and he's saying he's not a cocktail maker, I should be able to should be able to crush it, recreate right? these uh, because I'm also not a cocktail maker, but I'm trying. <laughs> I told you I tried the um, uh, oh, what's what's the rum drink? The um, uh, the one that's kind of sweet. Uh, no. Mojito? Yeah, the mojito. I tried the mojito, and it was pretty good. I, yeah. I, I got a pretty good mojito. So that if I count the mojito, I'm up to four cocktails that I make that I'm really happy with. One of my favorite cocktails, I usually start with a, mm. with a glass of whiskey. Yeah. And then I'll add a piece of ice. Right. And that's... That's, that's your cocktail. Uh, that's, I could probably do that one. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I'm going to... Be so bold as to say, I've done that one. So right. I'm up to five. Five it. cocktails I can make. <laughs> How was your week, buddy? Did you have a good one? That <laughs> was pretty good. Pretty good, good overall. Well, we should have a fun show today because we have some very interesting things to try. On the uh, Mr. Twirly gig right now is the spirit we're going to try. It's a rum, and, and I, I forgot to write it down in the show notes, the name of it. So I'm going to have to ask you to say it or, or hand me the box. Uh, Ron Matusalem. Matusalem? Matusalem, Matusalem. Matusalem, M-A-T-U-S-A-L-E-M. It's a Grand Reserve of Rum. Matusalem. And, and what is it, 21 years? It's 23, it 23, says. wow. Well, when you start getting up that that high in terms of number of years something's been aged in the rum category, you your expectations, the bar gets set pretty high. Yeah. <clears throat> so we'll see how we do with this one. But uh, this is, I've is, never seen this before. I bought this bottle, so... Uh, to me, at least, this is brand new. And I do spend a bit of time on the rum aisle, if I do say so myself. <laughs> so, uh, so yes, yeah. I understand. That'll be fun to try. From Real Ale Brewing in uh, Blanco, Texas, we're going to be trying their Crispy Business Lager. And uh, it looks real good, but I have, have not tasted it. So, uh, I love this called Crispy Business. Crispy Business, yeah. Doesn't it sound like a, a Beck song? I don't know. What, just, <laughs> I don't think it is. I think it's mixed business, but I don't think he has Crispy Business. Well, I think they're playing off the movie, right? Yeah, probably so. 
probably so. So, so. so like dancing around in your underwear in the living yeah, room kind yeah. of thing. Um, so Harpoon Brewery out of Boston, Massachusetts, one of my early favorite breweries Harpoon's in the world. Uh, outstanding. They they just they were doing craft beer back when the only real craft breweries I knew were them, Shiner, St. Arnold, Magic Hat. And like uh, Sierra Nevada, you know, this mm, is before mm. I really learned how how much was beginning to happen. Right. But back in the '90s, when I moved to Boston, discovering that Harpoon IPA was like it was life changing. <laughs> Just eye opening, right? Yes, it really was. So today we'll be trying uh, something I believe that's new that they put out called Retro Rye IPA. We talked about this a little bit last week about how rye whiskey and IPAs go together so well. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, there's a few of these rye IPAs that have cropped up, and so we'll try Harpoons because, uh, you know, they, they've got a pretty good track record with this yep. stuff, particularly with the uh, IPAs. And then from uh, not far from us, uh, from Garland, Texas, and the Lakewood Brewing Company. Lakewood has this whole Temptress series that yes. they do of their... We've uh, had a few of those on of the their bigger beers. Yeah, today we'll be trying French Toast Temptress. It's oh, an imperial man. stout, nice. and I didn't even write down in the show notes all of the different things that it has in it or has been done to it, but we'll get that from the bottle when we uh, when Well, we you know, we had uh, a couple years back, we had uh, that uh, chocolate mint temptress. Oh, that was, that was like, so good. It was so good. Yeah, amazing. And, and the, you know, they don't, at least to the best of my knowledge, they don't put these in the big bombers. They're just in the 12-ounce bottles. Right. Which is, I think it's kind of cool. Much I love a bomber, it, it, there's a certain hesitation I have about opening one when I'm at home and I'm by myself. I was telling you earlier, I, I like to sample beers while I do the dishes. It makes right. the dishes much more interesting, right? So, you know, I'll go to my little beer fridge and um, I'll look and sometimes there'll be a bomber of something sitting there I've been really wanting to try. But it's like, ah, am I really gonna, well, am I really gonna have this bomber while so I'm doing the dishes? There's a couple things that happen with that. First off, when you're buying bombers a lot yeah. of times those are higher abv beers sure now, it's not always like but most of the time but a lot of times yeah. it's like a special something it's usually a bigger beer not only a bigger bottle physically but a bigger beer and so the problem you run into is if you're all by yourself <laughs> all by yourself <laughs> I was waiting for you to do it, but you, you didn't do it. No, it's, I'm holding back my singing for later in the show. <laughs> um, if you're all by yourself, um, then, it was then a you pretty have to good Eric Carmen, by the way. <laughs> you have to. Wait, see, you're my Aaron Neville. <laughs> um, I don't know much. But, um, That's pretty good. Actually, <laughs> you just gotta sound like you're about to cry uh, all the time, <laughs> and, and like you're you're you know quivering somewhere yeah, inside. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, you gotta commit to the entire uh, bottle, and that's a lot of beer, especially yeah, if especially you're coming in ten percent, yeah, eight, yeah, exactly, eight percent and above. You know, I'm not really afraid of one if it's five or six percent. That's a couple beers. You know, but man, you start getting into ten, eleven. What I got one the other day. Uh, it's a barley wine. That's like fourteen point oh eight gosh, or some yeah, ridiculous see, yeah. thing like that. So by the end of the dishes, you're not going to even be caring how you're stacking them. You know, <laughs> right. it's like uh, I think I'm done here. You're like, I think I did the dishes last yeah. night. <laughs> I just don't remember turning the water off and coming to bed. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, well, so but when they're in the twelve ounce bottles, it's much easier to go. Yeah. Oh, this is a big yeah. beer, but I'm going to try it. You know. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I think that's kind of cool. Uh, or offering them both ways. Um, we will also uh, be. Talking Talking about a lot of different cigar stuff, cigars to watch for. Um, there's some interesting new things out. And Cigar Aficionado, 
uh, has joined the Right Now Club. Right Now. Yes, because they have uh, put out a new list of 10 exceptional cigars you should be smoking Right now. So we'll we'll yes, take a look at, nice. the, at that list as well. Crappier trends to watch for in 2022. And, uh, of course, we'll tell you about how drinking is shrinking your brain. Drinking is yeah. shrinking your brain. Yeah. Oh, and uh, how can we forget drinking news? Our drinking news teaser headline today. Who are you calling a turkey? Just out of curiosity, is that a Band-Aid on your finger, or is that something to aid you in uh, playing uh, no, the guitar it's, it's or the a band-aid. Sometimes I've, I've thought I've seen guys that had like some, like a Band-Aid on the end of their finger, and I realize, no, that's that's just so they can do the, the the slide thing, you know? No, it's actually quite annoying when I'm trying to play guitar. Uh, that's a Band-Aid. I, uh, uh, one of my pocket knives, got uh, the clip got stuck in my, I, I oh. keep it in my back pocket, and I didn't realize that it popped open mm. when I stuck my hand in there to get it out, and so I sliced you know, my thumb really bad. Ouch, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's not, not nice. Good. A knife injury. I wouldn't, so. you know, uh, that's, yeah, that's... I mean, what, I got in this bar brawl. Yes, yes, thank you. You, you have to... <laughs> that's a way better story that <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> this guy was picking on some defenseless girl, and that's I right. like, uh, came, to her, came to her aid and defended her honor. Uh, well, anyway, we uh, I think we're going to have a, a really fun show uh, today. It's been a really busy week for me, but I did have a chance... Believe it or not, to smoke a cigar and awesome. and, uh, and talk about it. What about you? Did you smoke anything interesting? I did. This week? Well, I, so I had to get up kind of early this morning, so and do some stuff this morning. So I did not make <laughs> it by Casa, but I did sit outside last night with my little buddy heater. I sent you a picture. You of that. did. I was very intrigued by the um, heater. And uh, and uh, had a cigar. Uh, I don't have a whole lot left in my humidor, so, so oh. I'm back to the super premiums. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I guess it was a good experience then. So this is the Rocky Patel white label. Mm. This is the Toro at six and a half inches by 52, so it's a pretty substantial size cigar. So it was mm -hmm. nice to actually, because act, uh, I wasn't on any time constraints last night. Right. You know, I didn't have to like finish a cigar in an hour and rush off anywhere. So I sat out there and, um, and uh, lit this... Uh, lit this baby up. It's got a Connecticut wrapper, uh, Nicaragua binder, and a blend of Honduran Nicaraguan and some other undisclosed things uh, for the filler. <laughs> the appearance, uh, beautiful Connecticut wrapper, classy tan in color uh, uh, with uh, with a white label, silver lettering. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful cigar. Like I'm, I'm sure the pictures are up right now. Um, firm feel overall, impeccable construction. Nice. This thing, I, it's kind of one of those things. You know, when you pick up a really nice tool, you can tell that it's a really quality tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is this is a cigar that you can tell has costs certain, this much. Has a certain heft and, yeah, and design it to it. Has that right? feel yeah. to mm -hmm. it, right? You got it. The pre-light sniff on this, I got hay, leather, barnyard coffee, and a little mocha at the foot. Um, the pre-light draw, I used a clip, had an effortless draw, creamy coffee, chocolate, slight nuttiness. Leather and a kiss of chicory uh, oh, spice wow. kind of thing. Interesting. It's an interesting flavor. There's not much that tastes like chicory. So a lot of times people, uh, I think, sometimes will say cayenne because it has a little bit of that a same of, kind yeah. of spice. But chicory is, but it's, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a little more particular than that. And so yeah. I found it in a few cigars here and there. Um, especially when you when you blend it with the coffee, it, it tends to have mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, the initial light spicy blast of white and cayenne pepper. I wouldn't call it a Nicaraguan pepper blast. It was, but it was a spicy bit of white and cayenne pepper kind of thing. Uh, tangy leather, tea leaf, retrohale was peppery and sweet campfire. Mm. I don't know how a campfire is sweet, but that's what it did. Well, I kind of, I kind of would. 
I, I kind of can imagine that, right? Because right. uh, you know, there's a certain campfire is this very certain thing, but if it had just this little, little bit sweetness of, to it, yeah. like someone's got s'mores on it or something, yeah, right? Yeah. Maybe I don't know. Uh, so at this point in time, uh, <coughs> I, I did the whiskey sniff. Ah, I was at home. Yeah, it's nice. So I did the whiskey sniff, yeah. and I went and uh, smelled a few bourbons. Wasn't hitting the spot, so I went up to my. Uh, uh, scotch shelf and and a few of them didn't hit the spot, but then I uh, landed on the Glenmorangie Tale of Cake. Oh, and that went right along with That's it. That's awesome. It's beautiful. great when you get that when you hit that match. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, I was like the minute I opened a bottle, put it to my nose, I was like, there it is. That's the one. That's awesome. So the first third of this big smoke, woody notes, spicy coffee, kind of a hearty soup stock kind of. Uh, fullness to this uh, to the flavor of the cigar uh sweet cashew like nuttiness uh it has like have you ever had that like you know I would, like at my house i always have the fresh cracked pepper mm -hmm. you ever had the pepper medley it's got like some of yes, the different it's got colors the, the different white color pepper and the green yeah. pepper mm -hmm. and, yep so yeah so it had that kind of pepper medley kind of as the foundation with with some tangy leather and fresh cut hay notes retro hail was peppery with toast and oak flavors flaky ash perfect burn nice uh the second third of this i have to say birthday cake really i wow. mean it just had this was kinda, it sweet or just it, kind of dough? it had a little sweetness to it with a little a little of that kind of cakey thing going on um and, and i didn't think it really tasted like like the batter you know how the batter has a certain kind of taste but the the cake itself has, right it's more like the cake it had a little bit of that kind of thing to it uh coffee flavors kind of disappeared at this point uh tangy leather notes interplay with earthy spices sweet nuttiness with a hearty kind of aftertaste toast and delicate pastry kind of even with all this going on there's toast and this delicate kind of pastry thing going on uh in 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 the background um the uh, retro hill was sweet, oaky, and toasty. Uh, flaky ash fell right on me. <laughs> the perfect burn. <laughs> I love it. I just it's oh, yeah. so consistent. You know, <laughs> yeah, it fell right on me. Uh, the the last third of this the nuttiness uh, moves forward. Uh, pepper remains consistent. Hearty soup stock is more prevalent, along with spices and sweet birthday cake. Uh, notes toasty and pastry flavors surface more often and play nice with the pepper and spices oaky dryness and nutty notes linger long after the aftertaste along with the kind of a fruity citrusy twang thing that was going on in the aftertaste but but only really towards the end of the cigar where i uh, noticed it the retro hell is oak uh pastry and a little of that citrusy thing flaky ash perfect burn nice uh, this thing, I would say, comes in at about medium strength overall. Um, mm -hmm. It kind of fluxed a little bit less and a little bit more at certain parts of the cigar. Like I'd say the initial light was a little more. The first third of this was a little less. Then it came right back up and went to medium and kind of played between medium and medium plus for the rest of the time. This is an extremely complex cigar. There's so well, many it things sounds going like on. It. You've, you've talked about notes and, and flavors that... I don't it's, think you've ever it's going used for a crazy. cigar. It was, yeah, yeah, it was all over the place. It went so well with the scotch, too. And the scotch has some of those notes in it as well. And it was it was an absolutely wonderful experience. Cake 20, seems to be the uh, the, the defining yeah, yeah, factor kinda, here. Kinda yeah, we put them together. $20 for one of these. Okay, so your expectations, stick. your expectations are going to be high. Then. I gave it a five. You get every bit of that $20 That's out of great. it. It's, it's incredibly complex. That's great. It's a fun stick to have. My suggestion, if you got an extra 20 to blow, 
um, put one of these in your humidor. You're not going to be sad when you pull it out and try it. And, you know, we had that uh, discussion last week about how the uh, Connecticut wrappers always, everyone always thinks those are on the lighter side. Mm-hmm. This is Connecticut wrapper and solidly medium. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, um, uh, I've, I've run across a few people who are a little snobby about Rocky Patel's cigars. As if, you know, I, I think what maybe what bothers them is how visible he is, how the cigars have his name, and how he's just, I mean, he's Mr. Everywhere. I, I love Rocky. He's I think a beast, he, I man. Think he's he's great. awesome. But you, you can't smoke a cigar like that and not give him props for blending technique yeah. for being experimental trying different tobaccos and i mean the guy's just he's everywhere promoting the cigar industry promoting his own cigars and still manages to come up with some of these blends that are just absolutely fantastic yeah. you yeah, i still remember uh was your birthday a number of years ago and I, at your birthday get together, I smoked one of those uh, Rocky Patel. Was the it fifty five? Fifty five. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of an odd shape. That cigar blew my mind. Yeah, that's great. I just, remember, I kept telling you, this is so good. Yeah, I think we ended up splitting a box of that soon afterwards. Yes, I think we did. It's a great cigar. Not an easy one to find, but uh, yeah. but a great cigar. In any case, uh, I that was my hat's a large off to perfecto kind of yeah. uh, shape. And it's kind of weird how it tapers, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, but it's but it's a great. A great cigar. Well, I had an interesting one uh, this week as well. I smoked the Hoya de Monterey Excalibur Black, the Toro. Oh, now I am familiar with that. You cigar are okay. Yes. Well, Hoya de Monterey is, of course, a classic brand. Yeah. They've spent the last, well, several of the last few years hiding their, uh, highlighting rather their Amistad brand, right, which right. is their kind of their sub brand, which was blended for them by AJ Fernandez. Every one of those I smoked have, has been incredible. Been great, by the way. Yeah, yeah uh, just absolutely fantastic. Since then, though, they've gone back to concentrating on their their core line and the part of their core line in particular that is the Hoya de Monterey Excalibur. Mm-hmm. And I used to smoke. Excaliburs. When I first started smoking cigars, the Hoya de Monterey Excalibur was one of my very favorites. But it has been a while uh, since I smoked one. So I was really excited to try uh, this new cigar in their line, the Hoya de Monterey Excalibur Black. So the pre-light on this baby was rich tobacco, chocolate, and coffee. A little bit of an oaky note on the draw. And uh, the wrapper is Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro. The binder is Ecuadorian Sumatra, and the filler tobacco is from Honduras and Nicaragua, and uh, it was all put together at Rocky's uh, factory in Danley, Honduras. I used my punch and lit the cigar easily, and off we went, despite the presence of Nicaraguan tobacco in the filler. I did not get the Nicaraguan pepper burn, pepper burn. That's my Badbury Gibb. It's, it's, it's cringeworthy. And I'm going to continue to do that Badberry Gib so, until you come up with our so our cringy. jingle our jingle for Nicaraguan Pepper Man, Blast. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very motivating, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but no NPB, no Nicaraguan Pepper Blast. It did start off with some strength, but not that big boom right. uh, that I'm used to from a lot of Nicaraguan cigars. Coffee and chocolate were the primary notes in the first third of the cigar, and not necessarily... Just a mocha mix of coffee and chocolate, but those two flavors were kind of distinct. And in fact, as the cigar smoked, the uh, coffee 
uh, flavor kind of stayed and the chocolate you know receded a little bit. Mm. So it was interesting to, to see that happen. Uh, I did get, start to get a little pepper tang on the tongue during this part of the cigar, and the burn uh, just just continued. Well, I didn't mention it yet, but it, it was a really excellent burn. However, the ash just it, it was taunting me. Uh, it, it looked at me, uh, and and I decided I couldn't trust it. So I I, I flicked it on the ash uh, into the ashtray af, uh, after about three quarters of an inch. I just knew it was coming. You for knew me, it was you know? happen. Uh, excellent burn though, and a little bit of I didn't don't think I mentioned this, but a little bit of black pepper on the retro hail. And into the second third, I mentioned the coffee uh, stayed. The chocolate was there, but it was less prominent than it was at first. And I did get start to get a little of that pepper tang on the tongue. During this part of the cigar, which had first been more in the retrohale, uh, and the burn continued its near flawless journey. Slowly but surely, that pepper note that started out primarily in the retrohale in the first part of the cigar moved to the tongue in the second third. It started to assert its place right next to the coffee. Uh, both of those about equally strong in the cigar by the final third. I did pick up a bit of molasses and some cedar, but coffee and pepper were the primary notes by the end. And those may not sound like something that would work well together, but they really did. Yeah. Uh, they really just uh, were, were quite nicely paired. Um, what started out... On the milder side of medium, uh, ramped up slowly as the cigar smoked. The burn continued to be spot on. I did confirm my suspicion about the ash not holding on for too long during the second third when it apparently mistook my Bluetooth keyboard for one of your shirts and uh, made a mad dash for it. Uh, none of that, though, took away from the enjoyable experiences of the cigar. And it continued to really burn well all the way to the end, which I just have to say... It's it's really a treat when you get a cigar that burns that well all the way yeah. down, and you don't really have to tend it at all. That's uh, I'm used to at least one or two touch-ups with a lighter on right, most cigars right. that I smoke. So so that was nice. I enjoyed the Excalibur Black very much. Nice blend of flavors, thick, chewy smoke, and excellent construction. Pretty hard to uh, find anything to complain about, even with my ashy keyboard. Um, the Hoy de Monterey Excalibur Black is a 7 to $9 cigar. I looked uh, several different places mm -hmm. to see. I think I paid about 8 50 for it, but it was, uh, uh, you could get it, especially if you bought a box for as low as just about seven. Uh, I'm going to say thumbs up, and if you can find it for around seven bucks, it definitely punches a little over its weight class. Uh, and so at, at seven dollars, I'd say uh, price to quality of 5.5. Uh, and and if it's if it's a little more expensive than that, you're at least getting what you pay for, and it's uh, it's highly recommended. Nice. Really good, really good. And it's nice to go to a heritage brand like that because I have a tendency to smoke, you know, a lot of you know things that AJ does and mm. Rocky Patels and things like these heritage brands that were some of the brands that I smoked when I first started smoking cigars are really doing some great work. And the Hoya uh, de Monterey Excalibur Black is a nice example of that. So Yeah, they do. They're, uh, they make great cigars overall. Those were some of the early cigars that I got into when I started realizing I liked something a little more mm -hmm. uh, than, than, a little more than mild. The Mac the I liked a little more and, yeah. into the uh, medium flavor and, mm -hmm. and even into the medium full. I, 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 I'm always curious because, like, uh, my ash incident last <laughs> night, yeah, I I, I kind of saw. I've gotten to the point where I kind of look at the ash and tell that this if it's coming for you or not. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I feel like it's you know thinking about it. So I tipped the first ash, and the second ash, and then I just you know I just I trusted it. 
Yeah. Don't trust an ash. <laughs> and, and, and it knew, too, because I pulled it I pulled it out of my mouth, and I looked at it, and I went, oh, I need to tip this. And the minute Boom. I said it, as I, I like, like I barely started moving towards, it, bam, it just Sometimes you can see that little line starting to form around the base of the ash oh, that lets you know this one's just about to drop. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you hear the Jaws music in your head, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> the way it always is. All right, uh, we have a lot to do and talk about on the show today, and we have things to taste. So uh, coming up, we're going to break into this. Crispy Business Lager from uh, Real Ale Brewing Company, Blanco, Texas. Uh, that will be coming up. We'll also tell you about Cigar Aficionado's 10 exceptional cigars that you should smoke right now. Smoking and toasting. Welcome back, my friends. It's Smoking and Toasting. It's the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. And we love talking about and uh, enjoying all three of those I, things. I had so. that flash moment when you said, welcome back, my friends. I was thinking yeah. to the show that to never ends. To the show ends. that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside. Come uh, inside. See, we're showing our age by even knowing <laughs> Carnival what that is. number nine. <laughs> uh, and I always thought it was pronounced for the longest time. I, I was certain it was supposed to be pronounced Carnival. <laughs> Which was so cool, you know. Um, so welcome back to the show, uh, the show that never ends, apparently. Uh, we are so glad to have you uh, here. And Cigar Aficionado, uh, which is, you know, the probably the most respected, you know, magazine in the cigar world. Mm-hmm. I'm personally a fan of Cigar Snob. Snor- cigar Snob, I yeah. like. I, yeah. I like, you know, I like both of them. It depends on what you're, what you're looking for. Cigar Snob, I think... Uh, feels sometimes a little more down to earth. Maybe and, so. And cigar yeah. aficionado is a little more. Can be a little more lifestyles of the rich and famous. Right, right. Uh, and that's not, not a bad thing. They're I'm not, not quite the Rob Report, but they're definitely right. leaning well, they're, in they're, that they direction. Definitely are holding upholding an image, and that's yeah. in its way that's very cool. And you they know? love to show you, you know, five thousand dollar watches and things like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, so it's it's a, exactly. a, but it's a good magazine. It's an enjoyable read, and I find that they're usually. Pretty spot on in their cigar uh, reviews and in their tastings. So they put out a uh, a, a new list, um, and it had uh, it it is a, a list of smokes. They say tremendous smokes, some of which scored ninety five points, which they say is an instant classic on their one hundred. That's pretty high. You'll see ninety ones and ninety yeah. twos, but you don't see much above that. In the December edition of Cigar Aficionado. Um, they say more than half of the cigars they reviewed in that issue scored 90 points or higher. So that's pretty impressive. And they say these 10 examples impressed their panel with profound richness and outstanding complexity. Some are harder to find than others and may be expensive, but all are more than worthy of occupying valuable real estate in your humidor. Their words. Nice. Uh, Bruce Stark says, smoking a Macanudo and Sparato orange. <coughs> This is not a mild cigar like everyone refers to when they uh, when they say Macanudo to refer to mild cigars. No. So it's definitely a medium, if yeah, not a little and more. Yeah, and you may remember I smoked the Macanudo. I uh, did the tasting notes on that Macanudo, the red label one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was definitely not yeah. a mild cigar. It wasn't like, you know, a diesel, yeah. but it, was, it, was, uh, it had some strength to it. It was actually a very good cigar. But if you go for the typical, 
you know, uh, Connecticut Mac, rapper yeah. Macanudo, you're going to get a like. Well, it's kind of like when I think punch. I think the friendly side of medium. Right. Like, exactly. That's kind of where they live. Punch makes good cigars. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. Really absolutely. Do. Absolutely. But but I kind of lump them into like that's where their cigars kind of live. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, Buena Cremas C100 from Nicaragua is a 93 point cigar. Now, 93. And if you remember, Ian, Buenaventura is those cigars you sometimes go to when you want like really good value because yeah. they're not high priced. They're like less five bucks and less. Uh -huh. A lot of yep. them. Uh, it, this particular one, six dollars. It's the Cremas C one hundred, and they even say in the review, how often does a ninety-three point cigar retail for only six dollars? Not yeah, often enough. Not very often. <laughs> but they say it's creamy and nutty, and uh, they recommend it. It's one of their 10. The Cohiba Pyramides Extra from Cuba scored Does a 93. Not go for $6. Yeah, no. <laughs> absolutely not. It was the first torpedo to be part of Cohiba's permanent range, and it is an elegant composition, they say. Uh, it's uh, the extra in its name is due to its length, as it's a little bit longer and a little bit thicker than standard Cuban pyramides. Um, a cigar that I've had and absolutely love, the A.J. Fernandez Diaz de Gloria Short Churchill. Yeah. Uh, he uh, culled tobacco from his four oldest farms in Esteli and uh, composed a blend that he calls an homage to the glory days of the Cuban cigar industry before Castro. There's no Cuban tobacco here, but the cigar is a wonderful expression of specific Nicar Nicaraguan terroir. I, I will tell you, uh, uh, one of the uh, shapes... Uh, I think it's the Grande uh, from Diaz de Gloria, uh, or maybe it's the Toro. Um, I forget, but it's it's definitely a little bit thicker than this. But it is a regular in my humidor yeah. rotation because when I want that, and that's sort a, of that's a light press, like almost yeah, oval right, kind of press. Right. To it's, it, it's, yeah. it's got like a, a light press, and it's about an eight dollar cigar. Mm -hmm. And it, when I want something that's got that that really harkens back to that Cuban vibe. Uh, that's where I go. Uh, the Diplomatico Reserva Exclusiva Exclusivo Caribe. No, I did not make that up. Diplomaticos Reserva Exclusive Exclusivo Caribe. It's a Cuban cigar. Uh, they scored it 93 points. They say, next time you find yourself in the Caribbean, be sure to ask about this particular Diplomaticos to see if you can find it. They say it was made just for the Caribbean markets, and they found oh, wow. it to be exceptional. Uh, the Espinosa Habano Lanchero. Uh, is it Lanchero or Lancero? It's the size. I believe it's Lancero. Uh, maybe Lancero. All like right. a Lance. It's a uh, Nicaraguan uh, cigar that came in at 92 points, and they recommend it highly. The Hoya de, Hoya de Nicaragua, and I always struggle with this word, Antaño, 1970, Antonio. Grand Consul. Hoya de Nicaragua, Antonio, 1970, Grand Consul. Uh, Nicaraguan, 92 points and a 60 ring gauge. It's like a really fat pyramid is what the, it is. The uh, whole Antonio series is fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, the Monte Cristo, Petit Number no. 2 from Cuba. Yeah. I mean, I've had that cigar. It's fantastic. The Padron uh, Family Reserve Number no. 50. Uh, the... Man, I'm... Okay. Picardo... P-I-C-H-A-R-D-O, Classico Toro. I have a natural Toro. I have not had this. It's a Nicaraguan cigar. It is from uh, Tabacalera Picardo. This is one I'm going to have to look for I because don't I, I don't think all. I've seen it or, or and I certainly haven't smoked it. And finally, the Ramon Ayones specially selected. 
Uh, it's a Cuban cigar. So a number of Cubans here, a number of things that may be hard yeah. to find, but take special note of the Hoya de Nicaragua Antaño, uh, the uh, Espinosa, the Buenaventura, and the uh, Diaz de Gloria from yeah. A.J. Fernandez. Those are all cigars to seek out, and uh, and they won't the, uh, the, the necessarily Hoyo, uh, the The that you talked about on there has a, um, a very deceptively simple packaging. Yes, it does. As well, that mm-hmm. Antonio, it's, if I remember correctly, it's a small label and then just a little uh, label underneath says Antonio. And it's just a short, fat Pyramid, yeah, which yeah. is uh, which sounds like fun, doesn't it? Um, let's uh, let's do some tasting. I, I have been. You're ahead of me. So we're talking real ale, and these guys, I'm so impressed with them. They're out in the hill country of Texas in uh, in Blanco, and they have been brewing for some time. I want to say they uh, have since '96. They have some absolute classic beers that are available mm-hmm. all the time in this area. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how regionally they're uh, out, but they're Fireman's Four. Oh, uh, that is a is, wonderful beer. That's an amber, right? It's a blonde ale. It's a blonde. Yeah. Okay. Uh, their Fireman's Four is uh, is is a go to. Mm. I absolutely love. You can buy in the Bombers if you go to Specs or uh, somewhere that has the Bombers. You can get a Fireman's Bomber. You know, you can get um, you can get their Wee Heavy. Oh. It's called Real Heavy. Yeah, it's real heavy. It's five bucks. That, it, that's great. And it's outstanding. You can get their Quad Ale, mm-hmm. which is a Belgian style quad, for five dollars mm. mm. in a Bomber, and it is outstanding. Uh, they have so many good beers, and then every year there's like uh, they used to have a uh, they used to have a, a release party for their coffee porter. It was an absolute mm-hmm. phenomenon mm-hmm. when it came out. Yep, it is yep. still to this day one of the best coffee uh, beers. So tell out me about there. the lager, the crispy business. What do you think? So crispy business is it's like a, a less hoppy brother to the Fireman Four. It's mm-hmm. absolutely delicious. It really is good. It I, is it's crispy. so crisp. I know that's in the name, but yeah, you, no, it you is. It is, it. but it's got this multi roundness, and then it finishes super crispy, and snap. It's almost just gone like that. In and a, it has an interesting. It has a little more carbonation than <laughs> I was kind of expecting, but the carbonation kind of works with that crispiness. Yeah. I think that's a part of it. I am often not a fan of highly carbonated beers. But in this case, you're absolutely right. It works perfectly. No, this kind of dances the right yeah, way. So it to really speak. does. It really does. And I will tell you, in a year when so many craft breweries in 2021, you know, really got serious about lagers and and pilsners, it's a it's a fine representation of that because I'm pretty sure this is something oh, I came up with more uh, recently. Wiki Brian reminded me, uh, Devil's Backbone is one of oh, theirs. That's oh. That's so good. That's so <laughs> oh, freaking and good. And by the way, the cost of a six-pack of Devil's Backbone is the same as every other thing out there, and, but it's also at like 8% or some ridiculousness. Yeah, I was going to say, when you think about some of the beers that we've talked about that'll do a four-pack for like uh, 16 17 or even into $20, um, that's a, that's a no, really good deal. You can buy deal. a 12-pack of Devil's Backbone for like $15, $16 and are all like 8%. <laughs> that's you will awesome. be jacked up. This one is 45 percent alcohol by volume and uh, it just drinks really nice i mean this this would be i hope this is still available uh, in the summer and it's not a limited thing because this would be a great hot summer it's afternoon good. the beer. can is so 80s yeah like it's, it's like, like you're watching like tron. tron yeah that's it <laughs> like well, what was the tron spinoff um um, Auto Man. Oh wow, you you've got a good memory for those kind of things, my friend. Uh, yeah, it is it is like Tron. And you remember how mind blowing Tron was when it first came out? Yeah, that was. I mean, crazy. when you watch it now, you're like, 
<laughs> but we, when it first came game? out, it was like, well, oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Uh, that was a terrible video game. Yeah. But we loved still, it, though. We loved it. We really did. We really did. Well, uh, I'm going to give this a huge thumbs up. I like this Absolutely. a lot. Absolutely. fantastic. Crispy business and Relail, you know, continues keeping their bar set very high, I think. These guys kind of know they what they They also make uh, an American barley wine called Sisyphus. Oh, the Sisyphus. That is real That's ale. I American forgot about wine. that. Yeah. Uh, it's not one of my favorites because, you know, it's just hoppy. Yeah. For me. It's good well, in, in, in what it is, but well, it's hoppy. In general, you like European barley wines or European style barley yeah. wines much more than you like American because the American barley wines are a little hoppier and they, uh, in general, there are exceptions, of course, but in general, they're a little hoppier and probably a little more carbonated. See, to me, putting that much hop onto a uh, into a barley wine is kind of like, let's imagine you order a pizza, right? Right. And then someone puts pineapple on it. You know there are people who like pineapple on their pizza. It's it's really awkward. I'm I'm not one of those people, but there are you people see, that's, who that's love, what that, an American that's what that's what those every, hops do to a barley wine. Almost every pizzeria offers uh, a pizza with and pineapple. And you can't on it. pick the pe- pineapple off of no. it. Why? Because it left everything sweet no. underneath it. Anyways, it's not it's not going to work. I used to work so with you're a, stuck with it. I used to work with a guy back in my very early radio days when we were all making you know literally tens of dollars a month, Mm-mm. and uh, <laughs> it, it was. Uh, you it, should try being a musician. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I'm talking about here. So he lived uh, he lived in a house that he rented with his sister, right? And his sister worked at Little Caesars Pizza. And she would often be working the last shift before they closed. Now, Little Caesars, at the time, I I think they still don't, but at the time, they did not do delivery. You called Little Caesars, told them what pizza you wanted. They said it'll be ready in, you know, 20 minutes or whatever. And and you drove to Little Caesars and picked up your pizza. And uh, so they had this scheme. Uh, my the guy that I worked with and his sister who worked there, he would call in about 15 minutes before closing time and order... A pineapple and jalapeno pizza. Ugh. Yeah. And so they would make it. And then, of course, no one would ever show up to pick it up. And at the end of the shift, uh, the manager would always say, all right, we got this pizza left. Who wants it? Well, if it's a, you know, uh, meat lovers or if it's, a, if it's a loaded veggie pizza, you're going to have plenty of takers. Pineapple and jalapeno, Not nobody so wanted it. That's how they ate dinner most of the time. <laughs> Right. Uh, so they get the free pizza. That's pretty funny. Uh, so I, I did. Uh, I did use the pineapple reference, by the way. Yeah. In a uh, in a snarky way, because I noticed that my future brother in law is watching the show, and he's actually a pineapple. He pizza likes the pineapple person. pizza. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it really, really brought his his inclusion in the family into. But we were we were talking though about into suspect. Yeah, but... I understand. I understand this. Uh, <laughs> we were talking though about uh, hops and barley wines, and I think. I don't have the same issue with it that you do, um, but then I like my barley wines without, you know, chewy parts, uh, and and you're totally okay with that. So it's just, you know, why have I got a beer for you? I'm gonna bring it in next <laughs> next week. If <laughs> it, it, it's called Chunky, <laughs> uh, all right, I'll try it. I'll try anything. I tried Malort. I tried Malort twice, thanks to you. <laughs> you know, it, this, fortunately, this, you didn't know it either time until yeah. you drank it. Oh man, you can't sneak it up on me again. Though. No, now no, you recognize the smell. My well, nose will know now. Yes. Yeah, it, it fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, ain't gonna happen. Ain't <laughs> gonna happen uh but but american barley wines i've i've liked some of the ones we've had on the show a little more than you did mm-hmm. uh but i understand where you're coming from hops does seem to be less of an important 
element of the barley wine, particularly really noticeably stronger and more aromatic. Well, hops. hops hops are a bittering agent, an aromatic agent, and also a preservative. So it's it's an important part of beer. You know, I mean, you don't brew a whole lot of beers without hops. They all have some hops to it. Right. But it's just that it's just that extra amount, and it's a very American thing to do is to go, hey, more. Mm-hmm. And I get yeah, it. Yeah. I, I'm I'm well, I'm that's behind whole... that in a lot of ways. But that's one particular thing that I think I just that's not my favorite kind. And I think the flavors, the hops tend to take over that beer in a the in bitterness. A way that's, yeah. Right. That's not that's not pleasant to my palate. Yeah, I understand. By the way, it's, and this is just interesting. Um, I've gotten caught up lately in watching these about eight minute YouTube videos. That are like rare historical photos. Oh, I love so, that. <laughs> so they put like a little, uh, you know, a piano music not, or something. They're not in that rare, but they are fun uh, and interesting. They're fun and interesting, and they're captioned. I was watching one this week, and it showed a, uh, a two men harvesting hops. And this is from like the 1800s. And the hop bushes, trees, whatever, they're hugely tall. And these guys are on stilts. Harvesting oh, the hops. Yeah, yeah. I just thought. I thought. You know. Now they have automatic hop picker machines. Uh-huh. Uh, but I just thought. You know the things we've had to do throughout history to get our beer to, to make beer. <laughs> yes. But it's. But we thank those people, and you were you were pioneers, and we appreciate the work and sacrifice that has gone before. On Stark apparently likes pineapple and pizza. Too. Oh, see, there's a lot of people out there, <sighs> but not pineapple and jalapeno. I'll bet. <laughs> not pineapple. I don't think anybody. I likes do that. love jalapeno on pizza, but it's got to be fresh cut jalapeno, not the pickled. Not jalapenos. the pickled kind. I'm not a big fan of pickled jalapenos unless they're like house made pickled jalapenos. Like there's some barbecue places around here that have um, some good ones where yeah. where the the jalapenos are not you know out of the jar at Sam's. For they're, those of you who are not real. from Texas, the jalapeno is kind of like a state thing. I mean, I'm surprised it's not our state. Everywhere bird, else eats you know? pickles, we eat jalapenos, <laughs> yeah, right. kind of the same way. <laughs> exactly, and sometimes alongside and. Simultaneously with right. pickles, and and that can be really delicious. As a matter of fact, yeah. all right, let's uh, take a break, and we will come back. We've got uh, still more to talk about on the show. We have uh, cigars to watch for still coming up, and we want to talk to you about uh, eleven beers that you can never drink again. So we'll get into that coming up. Nice. It's uh, smoking and toasting. You get another beer, yes, sir. Welcome back. It is Smokin' and Toastin'. This is the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Um, an interesting guy, uh, from uh, originally from Russia, uh, is the founder of Stoli, or Stoliknaya. Mm-hmm. I don't think I pronounced that quite right, but close enough. Um, he was a Russian-born billionaire. His name is Yuri Scheffler. He was exiled from Russia in 2000. Guess why? Why? Because he was, he was opposed to Putin, oh. so Putin had him kicked out of the country because he voiced his opposition to Putin. Now this is a very important Russian businessman. He owns Stoli. He's a uh, he's a you know billionaire, and he was exiled from Russia by Putin. And now, in the um, and Stoli, by the way, is no longer made in Russia because he's not there anymore. So right. it's made, uh, it's made in the United States. I think I want to say it's made in Ohio. Um, he um, 
Is everyone pulling that from the shelves now? Well, I don't know if it, if that's happened, but he is officially rebranding after the invasion, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. He's officially rebranding Stolichnaya as just Stoli. That's all he'll say, and it will no longer say Russian vodka. Because it was originally right, Russian a Russian vodka. vodka. Yeah. It's not made in Russia anymore. And he's just like, it's just going to be Stoli from now on. So for those of you who are, um, you know, deciding not to drink Russian vodka in, in favor of something else, you're okay with Stoli. He's giving the finger to, to Putin once again and saying, nope, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not going to have anything to do with Russia or what's going on there now, even even in my product. And in a way... That is a bit of a sacrifice because before all this stuff happened, you did always have a tendency to think of Russian vodka as maybe being the purest vodka. Yeah, one you know? of the it's the Russian spirit if yeah. you think about it that way. But of course, now it's the Austin, Texas spirit because of, <laughs> because of you know Tito's and Dripping Springs and and uh, right, right. Uh, and all that. But no, seriously though, um, Stoli does make good vodka. Yeah, it's 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 very very very. That's good. been a mainstay in the industry for a lot of years. It's well, interesting it to hear and that story. I hope that story spreads. Right, because I know there's a there's a lot of people that are a lot of uh, stores and a lot of places that are pulling Russian products. Well, and we talked about it last week. They're they're, yeah. they're pulling them off the shelves, and people are refusing to buy them, opting yeah. instead for you know, uh, you know, Belvedere or. Uh, or Tito's, or or one of my favorites, Space City Vodka. Space City Space, Vodka. I love Space City Vodka. It's very inexpensive. It's very good. And, of course, the Fox and Seeker yeah, Vodka is terrific, too. So we recommend that rather highly, my friends. Um, let's, uh, let's do a little more beer tasting here. This is a shorter segment. So why don't we get right to the Harpoon um, Rye IPA. Retro Rye IPA, 6.5%. <clears throat> And I will just say, and although I, I will tell you that I've had um, IPAs from other breweries now that have probably supplanted my original absolute favorite IPA in the world, which was Harpoon, that beer is incredible. I remember. But, but you know, so sometimes our favorite things, they don't have to be the most amazing things. They can be something that brings you back to a time and place. Well, that's 100% true. I remember back uh, when I, I'd lived in Boston for about three or four years. I'd, I'd become a fan of, of Harpoon, and I remember I was sitting in a neighborhood bar that was not far from my house, and I was all by myself. I was just sitting there having a Harpoon IPA. All by yourself. <laughs> you do better at the, uh, at the song, you know, uh, inclusions in the show than I do. Mm. I just want to say that. Um, so uh, maybe it's because you're a musician <laughs> and I'm a DJ. <laughs> Uh, I sing with headphones on, too. It's just that nobody wants my mic to be on when I'm doing that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, no, I remember sitting in this bar. I was having a Harpoon IPA, as I was prone to do at that time. And I just remember having this moment where I thought, this is the best beer in the world. You know? It was just, that's how big of an impact it, it made on me at the time. And how it really opened up and expanded my palate. Because, you know, prior to that, I really wasn't... Uh, wasn't into the hoppier uh, beers. And, you yeah. know, when a lot of people, when we have them, sometimes their guests on the show, they go, yeah, I'm not really that into IPAs. And that usually means that you just haven't developed, I think, a taste for hoppier things. 
when I first started drinking IPAs, I didn't like the really super hoppy IPAs. And now I can appreciate them. They may not be my favorite in the IPA world, but I can appreciate them for what they are. See, I'm oddly extremist. I like I like IPAs that are balanced. That's to me mm-hmm. is the the most important thing. But I do love some mm-hmm. absolutely extreme IPAs. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dogfish Head 120 minute. Well, yeah, that's about as extreme as you can get. That's yeah, but it's that's pretty wonderful. ridiculous. Yeah, you know? it's wonderful. Um, arrogant bastard as hoppy oh, as all dude. can be. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Stone, are you kidding me? Stone IPA is just unbelievable. You Stone know, like, have some, Stone has some IPAs that will almost wrestle you to the ground. Ghost in the Machine. Yeah, but see, Ghost in the Machine because it's it's hazy and juicy. To is, me, you don't really get the hot bitter. But from it's that. pretty extreme. It's it's wonderfully extreme. Uh, so let's talk about Harpoon's uh, uh, Retro Rye IPA. It is a seasonal. For Harpoon, which is out of uh, Boston. And it doesn't really tell us too much on the can, except it says that it's a seasonal IPA. It's 6.5%, and they call it a modern throwback. Your thoughts, sir? Um, it tastes like grapefruit. Really? Try it. Oh, you're right. There's an absolute grapefruit note there. No question about it. Uh, I mean, it's not It's not uh, just a grapefruit note. It is. It tastes like grapefruit. Mm. I do like grapefruit. Boy, the, I, I the keep getting finishes. bounced. I keep getting bounced off of uh, Facebook for some reason. Oh uh, well, I'm, I'm gonna have to let it go. Yeah, I, I think it's Russian hackers. This has to be. <laughs> this was uh, happening last week too. This is uh, a very interesting. Uh, a bit. What do you get? The rye. I maybe there's a rye spice about the middle of the palate. There's a rye finish kind of thing, yeah. maybe, and it's not. But frankly, uh, the 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 citrus, the grapefruit in this, really kind of overpowers everything else. I, I get the sense though that unlike other like hazies, for example, that have a grapefruit or a citrus finish that finish a little sweet, this still finishes uh, pretty bitter. Yeah, and this is... and, and I and I, uh, I I like it, but I don't know if this is to your uh, palate or not. I I probably wouldn't reach for more than one of these I, it's drinkable it's not it's not like you know I can't the read, the original I reach for a second one the original sure. harpoon ipa which i still believe is their best seller although, although i think actually their best seller now is their ufo which is their hefeweizen that has really caught on for that yeah that's it that's uh, a, but the original harpoon one. ipa it's the one word i would use to describe it is floral it's just oh, got yeah. this bouquet of like floral so, uh flavors this does not have that at all I, uh, okay, so apparently our online feed is is going down. That's what's that's hmm. what's happening. I don't know why it's, it's doing that. It so it just keeps keeps going down. That's very strange. Well, remember, guys, you can always check out Smoking and Toasting in our uh, YouTube video. You can see the full uh, you know the full video presentation, and uh, that can be true, important because uh, uh, because occasionally we're showing photos that are <laughs> right? that are worthwhile, right? So. Uh, so anyway, as far as this beer goes, though, uh, this is not something I reach for again. This is, is a little one-dimensional to me. Uh, I think Harpoon uh, IPA as a, as their rare IPA is fantastic. Yeah. I think it's a great balanced IPA. This I will one, say I get a little bit of that rye though on the finish, and I do wonder how this would go with a uh, with a rye whiskey. I will tell you though, uh, with the right meal, like a lemon pepper chicken or. Mm-hmm. Or uh, maybe a um, maybe a blackened uh, fish of some sort. Mm-hmm. 
would probably be pretty okay with this. I think that this is one of those this is one of those things that would go with with something like that, even though by itself I'm not really a big fan Maybe of. Maybe like a big Cajun blackened fish. Yeah. Oh. That's a jumble eye. All right. All right. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. We got more to do here. Uh, we'll see if we can uh, figure out anything on the feed and apologize for that. Uh, cigars Joe, to watch for to coming up. Oh, and uh, a cigar that you might want to bid on, Ian. Oh. I'll tell you about that coming up. All right. <laughs> oh, me, oh, my. Oh. That's frustrating. Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. We are so thrilled to have you here. If you are here, <laughs> we've had some trouble with the uh, video feed. I think Facebook has changed a bunch of stuff up besides just their name. Yeah, and I they're, think they're uh, playing with yeah, us. Yeah, I think they're messing around with us. We have had trouble with uh, the Facebook feed for uh, quite some time. Of course, the show is always posted on Facebook after, uh, and so we'll have that, and uh, we'll do the whole thing on YouTube as well. Yeah, it's always available so on you YouTube. Always, in, always available. In addition to all podcasts. the podcast downloads, yeah. Yeah, you know when we first started doing podcasts, you know, people kind of looked at you funny like podcast. Oh, you do a podcast it's, now. Podcasts are the, the hottest thing ever. Yeah. You know, so uh, I, I was just trying to give us credit for being ahead of the curve. I don't know if it worked, but uh, no. And and you know, part of it too is uh, well. So let's let's talk about what it really boils down to, right? This is talk radio for the new generation. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So uh, let's go back twenty years for me and you. Mm-hmm. You listen to talk radio? Mm-mm. No. You want to be really. caught listening to talk radio? That's what old men listen <laughs> yeah, to, right? Right, right. It was, it, it was really designed for people like 65 and older, I think. Right? And yeah, so I mean, yeah, there's but, a few shows. But I think, now, but, yeah, well, and there's always sports programs and stuff right, like right. that. But, you know, most people didn't. They want to listen to, like, new hit music and stuff like that. No one pulls up jamming. Some uh, talk radio, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Hey, there's aliens in the White House, and you're like, wow. I will, I will tell you, I, there's a lot of late nights coming home from bars yeah. where I listen to Art Bell. Well, that was my Alex Jones impression, by the way. Uh, I don't know if you caught that or not. Um, and George Norrie. I tell you what, back in my uh, Art Bell, yeah, back in my dating days, I can remember driving home a few very, very late night slash early mornings and listening to. Some show on talk radio here, it was like Captain Mickey, and he was uh, he, he would tell you all about the hot spots to fish in Galveston Bay. <laughs> and it was very interesting in a weird sort of four-in-the-morning kind of way, you know? Nice. Yeah, it's just, you know. So, you know, talk shows are funny because I'll, I'll, every once in a while, I'm just tired of listening to music, so I'll yeah. put on AM radio and, and flip through channels and see if I can find something. I've listened to, uh, there's a guy named... Um, uh, named Randy Lemon. He does the Garden Line Variety Show in the morning. And I, I have nothing to do with any kind of garden or taking care of my lawn, <laughs> except for sometimes I throw some blades across it. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and, but, uh, but you're listening but to him tell you how to care for But he's entertaining to yeah. listen to. I've actually well, met the guy. That's kind of like the car talk guys. It's like, yeah. uh, I don't repair cars, but they're funny. Yeah, know? they're fun to listen to, interesting stuff. Uh, I, I really kind of enjoy that uh, sometimes. So And late nights, it was always coast to coast with either George Norrie or coast to coast with Art Bell, yeah, yeah, those are those are the fun shows. But you know, so let's 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 go with now. 
there's so many podcasts, which is kind of like the modern talk show. Right. But now there's so many that are about what you might be right. interested in. You can in. find one that's you about your it. interest. It's out there. And when there's it so many, it may be good, it may be bad, there. but it's out there. Right. When there's so many of them out there, and you can listen to this, they're incredibly popular now. Yeah. 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 And, and you can listen to them kind of on your own time. You know, you can listen to them, call them up when you want to, when you're, you know, on the treadmill or working in the yard or, yeah, or whatever you're doing. So, uh, so it's kind of fun. Um, so, Ian, um, I know you're not a big sports fan, but a lot of people that are big sports fans bid really big on sports memorabilia. Um, a red 1990, uh, 1984 uh, Bulls jersey from Michael Jordan's mm-hmm. rookie season sold for a whopping $692,000. Wow. Just two years ago. Shirt. Yeah, yeah. A, a red Chicago Bulls jersey from his Excuse rookie me. season. <clears throat> Expensive jersey. Expensive jersey. Yes, absolutely. Uh, a pair of his game-worn Air Jordans, the actual shoes he wore in a game, seven hundred seventy-five thousand five hundred sixteen dollars. Same year. A rare ticket stub from the first game he played in the league, Michael Jordan, sold for two hundred sixty thousand dollars a couple of months ago. Wow. Now. I know even if you were a sports fan, you wouldn't have that kind of money right. to buy memorabilia. No, no. But what if I could get you something kind of cool and interesting for like around 500 bucks? What you talking about? I'm talking about the remains of a cigar that Michael Jordan smoked. There's actually video of him smoking this cigar to authenticate that it is, in fact, a Michael Jordan smoked cigar. What's left of it? <laughs> And it's up for auction right now. Starting price was five hundred and fifty dollars or five hundred dollars. As of two days ago, it was up to five fifty. Yeah, what's that saying? One man's garbage, and so on. I suppose that's true. But I was thinking about this. Like, <clears throat> if you let let's say you got it for five hundred and seventy five bucks, right? Say you're a big Michael Jordan fan. Five hundred seventy five bucks, and you get the cigar. They ship it to you. It's authentic. You got everything going for you, right? And would there ever come that time when your humidor gets empty enough? <laughs> that you'd think about polishing off what was left of the $575 Michael Jordan probably cigar. stale by now. Yeah, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Stale. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. I will not be bidding. I love Michael Jordan, but I will not be bidding on the Michael Jordan cigar. You know, uh, so, so don't get me wrong. I like sports. Um, but I can't fathom... Uh, you know, I have my own heroes, guitar-playing heroes and everything, but right. I, I can't imagine myself... Bidding five hundred dollars on a cigar that Joe Pass smoked. <laughs> I got it. I, I understand where you're coming from here. I just that's that's uh, and don't get me wrong. I love Joe Pass. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's amazing. or Grant Green or oh, or yeah. uh, I mean you name it. Eddie Van Halen. You know, like yeah. I, uh, Randy Rhodes. Would you yeah. would you bid if, would you bid any amount if, of money on a cigar Randy that Rhodes, Randy Rhodes smoked? If Randy Rhodes touring underwear came up for sale, <laughs> I, that's just not something I want from him. <laughs> I got it. I, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm with you. So would you bid on if Randy Rhodes smoked a cigar and uh, it was up for auction? Would you bid on it? No. Yeah, I don't want. I don't no, want some. I don't cigar. want that. That's a that's a used cigar. That's, <laughs> Somebody apparently has already bid on it, though. It went from 500 to 550 on Michael Jordan. Story, but also let's talk about this. Like for instance, let's say Michael Jordan came over to your house, yeah, right, 
and you have video of him smoking a cigar at your house, putting that cigar in the ashtray, and then you take that cigar, and you put it in a little thing with a picture of Michael Jordan, right? Mm -hmm. That's a story. Michael sure. Jordan was at my house. Now, you sell that thing, and I buy it for $500. Mm -hmm. You know what my story is? What? I bought a used cigar for $500. That's a crappy story, man. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but that's just a crap. That, that, shows, mm. <laughs> that shows bad choices. Back in the 90s, when I was, uh, when I was doing uh, Top 40 Radio, um, I gave away, as a prize on my show, candy that I stole from Richard Marx's house. This is a true story. And I really did steal the candy from that, Richard Marx's house. awesome. <laughs> I got invited to some like event. Uh, it was in Los Angeles. And I went to it, and they showed us a movie... A rough cut of a movie that had Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger in it, and the sort of like end credit song was a new single from Richard Marks. I don't remember the name of it now, but it went on to be a hit when it came uh. out. And so the whole thing was about Richard Marks, and uh, so they, they took us to see the movie, and then they put us on this bus, and we drove up through the Hollywood Hills to Richard Marks's house, where two things happened that I will remember to this day. The first was I went inside his house and stole some candy out of the candy dish, <laughs> which I brought back and gave away uh, as a prize uh, on my radio That's show. That's brilliant. The second thing was I realized that I'm standing there watching Richard Marks do a little impromptu acoustic concert in his backyard. I turned to my left, and I realized that I'm standing next to Fee Waybill from the Tubes. Nice. And I geek out big time because I was a big Tubes fan. And so I like introduced myself and said, what are you doing here? This is a true story. And Fee Weibo looks at me and goes, Richard Marks and I are like besties. Well, he didn't say besties because people didn't say that back then. Right, right. He said, Richard Marks and I are like best friends. So there you go. Kudos to you, Richard Marks. You mm -hmm. hang out with some cool people. Uh, we're hanging out with a bottle of rum right now. This is the, and I'm going to have to read it off the box here. It's the Ron Matusalem. Uh, Grand Reserva Rum. It's twenty-three. Uh, it's a twenty-three-year aged blend, and the things that they write here are in this really weird script that it's kind of a <clears throat> kind of difficult. So to the twenty-three-year aged age blend. That's a, on a rum. This is a little uh, misleading if you're used to whiskey. Right. So in whiskey, it's the age of the liquid, how long it's been in the barrel, that right. kind of thing. Right. In rum, it's that there is some portion of this is blended with the twenty-three-year-old, right? But it, not not the whole thing. It, they say it's a twenty. Uh, the reserve Grand Reserve twenty-three is a multi-vintage blend made from the very best reserves of Añejo rums. Uh, using the Solera system, we marry mature rum and oak barrels to create a blend with superior quality, smoothness, and taste. Today, we produce our rum in the Dominican Republic uh, using a closely guarded family recipe, which has been handed down from generation to generation since 1872. So there you go. There you have it. And uh, you've already tasted. So what do you think, sir? Rubbery. Rubbery, really. That's interesting because this they do this. Of course, it's a blend, so you never the the rums may be sourced from all over the world, but uh, but I don't think of Dominican it's, rums as being rubbery. I think Jamaican rums. What do you think when you taste? Because it's it's got a rubbery component to it, and I kind of like it to be honest. I like that rubbery, and it's also it's not a super sweet rum. It's got a little bit of a um, rubbery slash. I, all the words that I have for this are not going to make it sound good, but it's it's pretty tasty. Right. Well, and we've talked about this before with rum. 
rubbery does not seem like it would be something that you would like. Right. And yet some of the best rums in the world are very rubbery. It's just no other way to quite describe that. If if rubber were delicious, this is what <laughs> it would taste like. Right? right. Uh, it's the best way I can say it. Um, there is definitely some molasses and vanilla in there. Yeah. Uh, at least notes of that, not real molasses and vanilla, uh, because this is all uh, just rum. But it's uh it's inter- well I, I it, this is aged right so yeah so I'm sure it's picking up something from the barrels and even an oak but there's a lot of oak in there yeah like big time oak like mm-hmm. dry out the side of your tongue oak and right. again in a good way yeah you're absolutely right yeah they do say that uh, they rested in oak barrels uh, to create a blend with superior quality smoothness and taste basically. yeah so uh, it's this is a nice blend uh, it's <clears> interesting because <throat> the very first sip I took. I had kind of a, a, a knee-jerk reaction of, I'm not sure that I like that. But then the second, like, once my palate was adjusted a little bit, the second uh, Yeah, we did just was, have a rye IPA right, in right. the, the second segment. sip was, was much nicer, and I like it. It's got a little bit of heat to it. It even does. At, even at, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's proof down to 40, mm-hmm. and it does have a little bit of heat to it, and kind of a... Um, there's there's that there's that little rubberiness and that kind of a chemical um kind of flavor as well. But again, in, See, in everything kind of you're a saying way, sounds right? like it's it sounds, not good. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds awkward and weird, but it's good. Uh, the only thing awkward um, and, uh, about about this to me is the rum hug that I get yeah. about uh, <laughs> about uh, 20 seconds after you swallow the, yeah, uh, it's, uh, the rum. Yeah, it's interesting. It smells a little different. It smells a little more vanilla and right. oak. And the vanilla and oak are definitely in there. And rum. But you get that rubberiness, which you don't necessarily smell. You know what it doesn't have? It doesn't have that rum bite that a lot of times you get with the, like, right at the very front of the palate. It's, well, I think, it's incredibly kind at the beginning of the um, at the beginning of the palate. I think that could be, though, because this is only 40 proof. This is not some of the rums you're thinking of that have that may be the, uh, the, the higher proof rums. But it is caramely. Yeah, I think it's and, delicious. Uh, it's, it's a little different. Than uh, like the Papas Pilar or some of the ones yeah. that we've had like that that have got many of these same flavors. This just feels like it blends them together in such a different way. There's so many rums. I can't there imagine mm-hmm. using this in any kind of mixed drink. Either. I can't either. Like this, this is, is definitely just for a sipping. Sipping kind of. It would be thing. interesting to see what uh, an ice cube would do to this. Right. You know, see if it opened up uh, and made the flavors expand, made them any more broad. You know. And it is oily. Look at look at what it does to the glass. There. Mm-hmm. It just sticks to the glass. Mm-hmm. It's not real. Um, it's not real viscous, but it is oily. Very interesting. I'm I'm enjoying this. What it's is the a, bottle of this run? I think it's around forty five. Yeah. And um, and every time and and as good as this is, it calls to mind something because I've mentioned this before. There are two rums we always have in the bar in our house. Mary loves both of these rums, and they're both plantations. and I do too. And they're both plantations, yeah. and and they are the plantation um, pineapple and the plantation um, Isle of Fiji. Oh yeah, we buy those regularly. One of the reasons that it's so easy to do that is because they're about half the cost of yeah. this, just a little more than that. Half. Isle of Fiji has become my absolute. It's go-to. just wonderful, and yeah. it's so inexpensive. I, I'm. I'm sometimes shocked as we watch, because when we first started doing the show, I could get a bottle of rum similar to this 
in the thirty dollar range. Yeah. They're now in the forty dollar range or Everything's more. Everything's going up, and, and you can and it's find all Putin's fault. You too. can, yes, it is. We're going to blame him regardless of whether it's fault or not, whether it's his fault or not. Um, but you can find rums now in the hundred dollar and hundred and fifty dollar range, and that was very rare yeah. when we first started the show. There's just much more of it out there. And I will say, by the way, if you're going to spend that much on a rum, you definitely want the Florida Kanye. Uh, oh yeah, the twenty five. The twenty five. Oh my God, that rum. That's amazing. That's just one of the most amazing things I've ever tasted. It's just absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So, and thanks to the Florida Kanye, the Florida Kanye guys gifted us a bottle of that. Remember in the special it, it thing and had smoking and toasted on it. Yeah. You know what sucks is when I'm empty that bottle, I have to buy another one and pour it into that. <laughs> And that's an expensive rum to buy. And that's an expensive bottle. And it feels wrong to pour cheaper rum in there. No, you can't. You can't do that. <laughs> it just feels not like not especially bad. once it says smoking and toasting. Yeah, on it feels it. like a bad thing to do. I mean, come on. Uh, let's uh, let's take a break and come back. And uh, we're really excited about the next segment on the show uh, for two reasons, actually. Uh, the first is, of course, because we are going to bring you uh, our our tasting thoughts on the French Toast Temptress Imperial Stout from Lakewood Brewing. That Which right good. now feels like it would marry with this rum. I mean, I haven't tasted it, but it seems like you know, just mentally, that might be a pretty good with this little, uh, this little rum. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be trying that. Uh, that's one of the reasons I think you want to stick around for the next segment. The second, of course, is a little thing we like to call drinking news. And our drinking news teaser headline, by the way, who are you calling a turkey? <laughs> Get the photo right. Beginning, there was rum. Welcome back to uh, Smoking and Toasting. It is show number 273. Our brains are shrinking. We still have to tell you about that. We still have to tell you about 11 beers that you can never drink again. But all of that goes on hold for a moment because, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the showstopper part of our program. This has developed somehow weirdly into the most popular part of Smoking and Toasting. So, uh, so, so my buddy Josh that always listens to this on this program, yeah. I, I happen to be riding in the truck with him. Mm-hmm. And he when he had, was listening to smoking, he had it on. He listens to us in uh, 1.5 and sometimes two times speed. Oh, to get through the show faster. Yeah, okay. that's how fast he listens to us. So I better sound like this. It's hilarious to listen to <laughs> us. He also goes, "Oh, oh, listen! What happens when you slow it down, Cruz?" When you when they slow your voice down, you just sound drunk the whole time, <laughs> even at the beginning well, of the show. I was hilarious. gonna say I probably am, but, uh, so, but maybe not at the beginning of the so, show. So uh, I want to do just one one little um, one little chorus here, and I want to do this really slow so that when <clears throat> when he's listening to this, it sounds more like the actual time because he's got it sped up. Okay. So I just want to do one little drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news, drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. A Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. When asked about his absent arm, he said, uh, I had to take my gator to the vet. 
Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. <laughs> so we'll see if that helps out with that. Uh, and, and at some point in time, we need to put a show together where randomly we slowed certain <laughs> segments down. And then sometimes we talk really fast the whole time just to really, really mess with them. <laughs> I like this. If we talk too fast, it'd be just ridiculous sped up, right? right? It would just yeah. sound like a bee. <laughs> Reminds me of an episode of the original series of Star Trek. Uh, well, here at Drinking News, we we really just like to have a little fun and enjoy stories about a Florida man that has behaved in a wonderfully Florida way, like you know, wearing a T-shirt that says "F the police" to court, or uh, uh, or using their private plane to fly in a manner that draws a giant penis on the radar map. Those things really happen, by That's the way. We have done those stories, hilarious. yeah. Uh, but sometimes we have to get a little bit more serious and let you, our devoted drinking news fans, know about an impending danger. It could bring you mental or bodily harm. No, I'm not talking about the threat from Russia and their deranged leader. Although, isn't it nice that we now don't have the craziest leader in the world anymore? I mean, thank I saw, you, Putin. I saw, an, I saw an article about how a French restaurant was asked if they were going to take poutine off of their <laughs> thing because they thought it was they thought it was yeah Putin Putin That's, yeah. That's vastly different people. I just figured, no matter what your political leanings, you have to admit. Our last guy was a little bit nuts, but now that seems like nothing compared to, uh, you know, uh, Vladimir. Uh, but it's not that. That's not the danger I'm talking about. It's not global warming, and it's not a new variant of COVID-19. It's not even the constant threat that Cardi B will record another album. <laughs> you can. It's the very scary and very real problem of the growing number of attacks from aggressive, menacing Evil turkeys. Turkeys can be gnarly. I know what you're thinking. That does actually sound like the plot of a new M. Night Shyamalan movie. And yes, that would be really, really terrible. But the fact is, turkey attacks are on the rise across America. And they appear to be targeted, in many cases, at the people who deliver us our mail. <laughs> a mail carrier in Sacramento, California, had to do battle with an attacking turkey last week and actually wound up killing the bird in the battle. Witnesses wrote in posts on the social media app next door that a mail carrier, after being accosted by a particularly aggressive turkey, retrieved a pole or stick from his vehicle and used it to defend himself like a lightsaber, killing the turkey in the process. The U.S. Postal Service has launched an investigation, but they admit that they've had a number of incidents with aggressive turkeys in the last several months. Was it, uh, wasn't it George Washington that actually recommended the uh, turkey be the national bird mm. instead of the eagle? I know that. I, know, I don't know if it was George Washington, but I know that did that happen, was, that there yeah. was a, re a recommendation that the turkey be yeah, the national Turkeys bird. are gnarly critters, yeah, no, man. Thank God that didn't go through. Thank God somebody w with more common sense voted that down. <laughs> Can you imagine national bird and it's this weird looking thing with a hanging neck? Yeah, that will attack you. That will attack you. Yeah, yeah. Captain Patrick Foy, a spokesman with the California Department of Fish and Wildlife, said in an interview, we're having a huge problem with extremely aggressive turkeys that are actually attacking mail carriers, especially in this one particular neighborhood. When I say attacked, he says... It's physical contact. They are jumping on them. And the, the mental image of the turkey jumping on the postman. 
Listen, these turkeys are watching too many violent movies. When an in, 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 oh, I can speak. I haven't had that. I, I see, though, why I sound drunk when you slow down the, uh, the <laughs> It's because I am. When an initial investigation, that is hard to say, into the renegade turkeys was uh, inconclusive, they sent in a wildlife biologist to examine the situation. The uh, biologist... Henceforth known as a gang specialist. Yeah. The biologist observed four turkeys actively, aggressively go after a mail carrier when he got out of his mail truck, Foy said. They surrounded him. Can you imagine? You're the postal carrier. You get out of the mail truck. You got your bag of mail. You're taking And you're surrounded by angry turkeys. Surrounded by turkeys. Yeah. Foy said that Fish and Wildlife attempted to capture some of these aggressive turkeys, but they have been unsuccessful. In the meantime, Foy said, postal carriers have started to defend themselves by swinging their mailbags at turkeys, kicking at them, or using pepper spray. <laughs> I just love that visual. None of these tactics, however, seem to work. Until you get a Cajun turkey, yeah. and then that sucker just follows you around once you spray him. <laughs> uh, uh, Foy described the turkey from last week's incident, the one that the postal carrier killed, as, quote, the biggest turkey I've ever seen, end quote. <laughs> Other incidents have included one turkey that smashed into the window of an oral surgeon's office in Fair Oaks, California, clawing up dentist chairs and cabinets. In an effort to try and explain... The growing animosity of these weirdly shaped birds, I reached out to Miss Tammy, a telephone psychic who advertises on late night cable TV that she specializes in being able to talk to animals that have passed on. <laughs> I just saw the picture. <laughs> yeah, the picture's worth a gazillion words on this one. <laughs> According to Miss Tammy, the bird that was killed by the mailman told her that his species has become. Growingly and increasingly resentful of their treatment by humans, who feed and care for them just fine until November every year, when they're rounded up and eaten for everyone's Thanksgiving dinner. The spirit of the turkey, who Miss Tammy said was named Leopold, said that his kind was banding together to combat what he called the Great Turkey Genocide. He also these, so these are all jive turkeys. Yeah, he also reported, uh, reportedly told her that the first wave of their resistance was designed to cripple the U.S. Postal Service. And he said to tell the mail carrier that beat him with a stick that his turkey brothers would be coming for him. <laughs> in an unrelated proclamation... <laughs> In an unrelated proclamation, Miss Tammy also told me that a dog that I had once as a little boy loved and missed me, and he thinks of me fondly every day from the great beyond. <laughs> so what have we learned here? Well, first, that our government should do something to protect our mail carriers from these blatant attacks. I don't know about you, but I sure don't want them to have problems delivering my Victoria's Secret catalog that usually arrives about this, this time every year. So there is that. I don't even know what to say, really. It's uh... We should also beware of this mentality spreading to other animals. Uh, you know, the last thing we need to do is have to defend ourselves from cows, who, in addition to the fact that they can't be happy about being eaten, are likely still a little pissed about that cow tipping so, thing. So turkeys are just trying to climb the uh, food chain. Yep, they're, trying, yep. they're trying to get one more rung. And finally, and perhaps most important, I can attest to you personally, that spending $1.99 per minute to get information from a telephone psychic is hands down the stupidest thing that a person can do with their money. <laughs> we all know that talking to dead turkeys is a bunch of crap and that Miss Tammy and her kind are preying on vulnerable people, and that needs to stop. Miss Tammy knows that I'm not going to call. 
Although she did mention that my deceased puppy says that I drink too much. So at least she got that part right. <laughs> this is the world we live in, my friends. And that is your drinking news. <laughs> drinking news. That's our time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, sometimes you got to play with timing. Yes. It's I, comedic I, it, timing. It, it, it's it's funny to us. That's the thing. <laughs> you know, my wife talks about this all the time, that there's something weird about your sense of humor and mine because we have a tendency to find things funny that other people don't, but both of us do. And well, so, it's, it's pretty simple. Yeah. The more times you tell a joke, the funnier it gets. Well, that's a basic tenet of comedy. In the my more opinion. times yeah. you tell a joke, the funnier, the it, funnier gets. it gets. Yeah, my wife does not feel that way. That's why we're repetitive. That, that's right. And we've been accused of being repetitive, <laughs> and we resemble that remark. We actually do. Uh, we got a beer to taste here, Ian, and I am looking at it and practically salivating as it turns on Mr. Twirligig. This is the French Toast Temptress. And I'm going to let you read all the, the stuff. This is the Seduction series, sir. Mm -hmm. From Lakewood Brewing. And our friends at Lakewood Brewing are in Garland, Texas. Yeah, so you got a, a plaid. Looks like a um, picnic uh, blanket mm -hmm. for the uh, cover. And then a... And once you do the pouring, I'll let you read all that. maple leaf. I'll let you read all that stuff it says that they include and have done to this. Oh, boy. Now, it doesn't look very viscous. Uh, but it definitely is dark and wonderful looking. Yeah, it doesn't pour real thick. Which kind of surprises me. I was I was expecting, given all the stuff that they say about it mm. on the bottle. Oh, this smells like it should go right over French toast. Mm -hmm. So, um, that magical moment when you cascade a perfectly stacked plate of French toast with rich and gooey maple syrup. Yep, we bottled it. <laughs> I'm waiting for your reaction before I move on. on oh, this. man, it does smell like a stack of flapjacks. <laughs> it, does. it really it does. It smells like French toast for sure. Uh, indulge in sweet cinnamon. Yeah, French toast where you burnt the edges just uh -huh. the tiniest yeah, little bit. Yeah, you got bit. that little yeah. burnt cinnamon thing going um, on. Indulge in sweet cinnamon and vanilla balanced, uh, balanced with bold notes of semi-sweet chocolate and a touch of maple syrup. Honestly, I have to say, breakfast is my favorite meal. And I don't eat breakfast a lot. <laughs> breakfast is but sometimes good. on the weekend, my wife will make a great breakfast. Or sometimes she says, you know, I'm trying to put together, like, some menus for, for this week for, for dinner. What do you want? I said, well, one, one night I want breakfast. Breakfast? Breakfast at dinner is awesome. <laughs> you know, we're the only country that really just thinks of eggs solely as breakfast food. Really? That's interesting. Lots of other countries have eggs for dinner. Do they have French toast for dinner? I don't know. Well, they should. I, I mean, I wonder if French people do that. Based on what I'm smelling here, they French should. Toast French Since the uh, Temptress uh, so easily uh, mingles with bold flavors and ingredients, we created the Seduction Series. Limited uh, variations of our sin sinfully sultry brew. Um, pairs well with Berta beef. Mm. I guess that's Alberta. Oh, okay. Because yeah, gotcha. I, I think yeah. I made maple leaf on the front. You know, oh, so gotcha. Yeah, gotta be Berta Canadian. Beef. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, they're from Garland, yeah. Texas, actually, but who knows? They could be Canadian in, uh, by heritage, so... Ah, those Canucks. Um, 
I don't know how derogatory is that. Can I get in trouble for that? I don't know. I, I think Canucks Canadians is, are such nice and friendly. Yeah, people. Yeah, they're very friendly people. I hope they take that as a joke. You know, I, I think I've heard Canadians call themselves Canucks, but that doesn't always mean uh. that it's appropriate for someone else <laughs> to call them that. We can think well, of some very. Uh, there's that. If I messed up, just let me know. Yeah. Uh, if there's any Canucks listening who we've offended, <laughs> please let us know. We'll drop that word from our vocabulary. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Chocolate covered espresso beans. Mm-hmm. And it pairs well with breakfast, apparently. This mm-hmm. beer is not obviously for breakfast, just for breakfast anymore. Uh, best enjoyed 50 to 55. We probably have this pretty close to that. Yeah. Let me see that bottle just uh, for mm. just a minute. Because it says here, under where it says oh French Toast Tempest, it says ale brewed with lactose and maple syrup and vanilla extract and natural flavor added. Have you tasted this? Not yet. I've just smelled it. <laughs> I just, I got to see the look on your face when you take a sip. Wow. I don't know if I've had an imperial stout that was named Do after you know. a food. Do you know what this is? What? This is after you've eaten everything and you scrape everything up and mash it against the back of your fork. And you've got that last bite with syrup all over it. And it's mostly syrup with just a little bit of yep, 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 crumbs yep. and burnt stuff and everything. That's what this is. I don't know if I've ever had an imperial stout that was named after a food. That tasted as much like that food as this tastes That's like. Crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if we thicken think, this up a little bit, it would just be uh, syrup. Yeah, I think it 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 maybe it's the burnt. It makes cinnamon. me want bacon. <laughs> Big time. Like it really makes me want bacon. Or back bacon, as they do in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm fine with any kind of bacon, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, 9.1% <laughs> alcohol by volume. That is the quote of the show, by the way, today. <laughs> if you're going back and looking for one line that defines today's show, it's Ian saying, you know, I'm fine with any bacon, really. You know, okay, l- l- let me let me qualify that with uh, as long as it's actually bacon. None of that turkey bacon. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm no. kind of with you. Uh, although, I I will eat. Some like like turkey burgers are good, you know. So my wife makes turkey burgers uh, that are fantastic. Mm-hmm. I have no problems with that, but turkey when it tries to be bacon is not not very good. And it's not that it's even that bad; it's just it's very flavorless, mm-hmm. or very very like uh, obviously imitation. Right. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like taking a turkey and adding some of that liquid smoke. And, and some liquid bacon flavor or something. You know, I've been thinking about this same thing as it pertains to non-alcoholic beer, which is becoming more and more of a thing all the time. It's like maybe instead of having to feel like you got to go non-alcoholic to still try to get your beer flavor, maybe you just drink a really good beer, but you only have one. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I... It's probably not something I'm going to go to myself because, frankly, if I was the DD for the night, I don't need to drink non-alcoholic beer. I think, realistically, I, I'd just be fine with iced tea or water well, let me an put occasional it in. Dr. Pepper. However, I feel mm. like there are people out there— You're and, so Texas, the Dr. Pepper reference. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there are people out there who maybe— um, if you have a can of beer in your hand and you're hanging out with friends and stuff like that, it's a very social thing. No one's asking you questions or anything mm-hmm. about it. So maybe if if you have had some drinking issues and and you need to have no alcohol, you can fit in without being obvious about it and not well, having to talk about it. So see, much. I'm thinking more of it. I'm thinking of it more from like the health standpoint. Like like I've tried 
some of these ice creams that are made out of other stuff. And I've decided that for me, I'd rather just have a very small bowl of Bluebell. Like have the real thing. But just don't eat too much of it, you know? I can go with that. If, if that's the thing, that's that's a large part of it, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hung out um, last weekend with some friends that uh, they're, they're very uh, calorie conscious. So they, mm-hmm. they were like, do you know a good low ABV, or not ABV, but low uh, calorie beer? And I said, yes. And so we had the... Um, the uh, uh, the uh, oh, I'm blanking on it now. The, is it the Founders uh, All Day IPA? No, it's the Daytime Lagunitas. Oh, Lagunitas Daytime, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so we've been doing a little bit of that at the house too, and going for some of the lower ABVs. And I've had Shiner Light Blonde. And, That's good. I like Shiner and, Light Blonde. Um, what was the other one I got? Uh, we got the uh, Lagunitas, and then we got uh, another one. And and by far, the the Lagunitas is just crushing. Is your favorite? All of them huh? now. Okay. Oh. There's another one out that I haven't tried yet. All day IPA yet. though is quite good. There's one that's uh, it's a uh, uh, lighthearted ale. Mm-hmm. I've had that. You know what else is really good? Slightly Mighty, from Dogfish Head. Right. Oh, Slightly Mighty is the other one I got. It's pretty good, but it's not as good as the Lagunitas. Interesting. I'm gonna have to go back and try that Lagunitas again. Um, well, no matter what the alcohol content is, according to a new study, just one pint of beer. Or an average glass of wine a day may begin to shrink the overall volume of the brain. That's what we talked about, right? Uh, the damage, apparently, this is the really bad news. The damage worsens as the number of daily drinks rises. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On average, people at age 50 who drank a pint of beer or a six ounce glass of wine a day in the last month had brains that appeared two years older than those who drank only a half of a beer, uh, according to one study, uh, which was published uh, recently in the journal Nature. The brains of people who said they'd drink three alcohol units a day had reductions in both white and gray matter that looked as if they had added three and a half years to the ages of their brains. This is terrible news, by the way. Not so bueno. Yeah. And uh, one alcohol unit is uh, 10 milliliters or 8 grams of pure alcohol. That means 25 milliliters or a single shot of liquor is one unit. A 16-ounce can of beer or cider is two units. And a standard 6-ounce glass of wine is two units. The brains of non-drinkers who began consuming an average of uh, one alcohol unit a day showed the equivalent of half a year of aging, according to the study. Well... At least we're not non-drinkers who just started. Well, there's that, right? There's that, right? Yeah, maybe maybe this doesn't apply. I don't know. That, that's actually frightening. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've always, you know, always thought accusing somebody of having a small brain meant you thought they were... Here's the question, though. Is yeah. our brain shrinking anyway? That's a good question. Because I bet... I bet there's also, as you get older, your brain probably shrinks to some degree by itself. And what they're doing is they're saying you're accelerating that, but they're not saying it so much to make it sound like drinking is terrible. Hold on. Because I feel that. like a lot of times when you see those those uh, those studies, they present them in a way that um, that isn't always 100%. The brain shrinks... According uh, with increasing age, and there are changes at all levels from molecules to morphology, 
Incidence of stroke, white matter lesions, and dementia also rise with age, so, as does the level of memory impairment, and there are changes in the level of neurotransmitters. So let's point out that this happens anyway. Yeah. And that's what they don't tell you. Right. Now, they're making it sound terrifying, and it may actually exacerbate the situation. However, ooh, how did I get through that sentence? Anyway. Uh, you have restored my faith <laughs> in humanity. I just wanted you to know that. And here's to I, you. I'm I just drink. want to point out, man, that the studies, you read those studies, you got to look at the reality of the studies. No, because on true. the surface, that makes it sound like like drinking is just going to shrink your brain, and you're screwed. And if you stop, right. like the implied thing is that if you don't drink, guess what? It doesn't happen. Right. That's not true. And that is not at all true. You're that is not right. true. But they're not going to say that part of it. You're 100% right. Especially Thank if it's you, my skewed friend. towards if it's skewed towards the uh, non-drinking crowd or mm-hmm. written from the perspective of someone who thinks drinking is uh, very bad. Well, you uh, you have saved the day for me. Thank you so much. Um, all right. Suspect everything, people. Yeah, that's good. Trust no one. <laughs> I agree with you. Right, I'm looking Especially your cat. At least my cat. I can't trust my cat. I'm She's looking. kind of an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Never trust a cat. I think that's. <laughs> I think that's been uh, been very well established. All right, so here we go. Uh, and pour me a little more of that now that uh, I realize that my brain is shrinking. Anyway, I'll take some more. <laughs> right, since, since I'll take it's some happen. more of this uh, French toast surprise. We, we can make it happen a little faster. Eleven beers you can never drink again. Here we go. Miller High Life Light. Not Miller Light. Miller High Life Light. I don't think which I'm... Which begs the question, why, why, was this project, uh, why was this product ever developed? I mean, Miller Light sells gazillions of bottles a day. And Miller High Life sells, you know, what it sells. I feel like they could actually have been the exact same beer, too. Might have been. But it wouldn't matter because if you have people who drink Miller and they want a lighter beer, they want to drink Miller or they drink. Actually, who drinks Miller anymore? Like well, regular drink, old Miller? Yeah, I guess you drink Miller High Life. And if you want a light version of that, you can't mm. call it light beer by Miller. It has to be Miller High Life light. I suppose so. But I, it seems like we're splitting hairs here. I bet we are. Uh, number two, I'm a little bummed about because I used to love this beer, Pete's Wicked Ale. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever have a Pete's Wicked Ale? I have. It was one of the pioneers of the uh, early craft beer movement in the U.S. Pete's was at one time one of the biggest craft breweries around the first to get national yeah, uh, get, distribution. They However, bought out, right? They closed their doors in March of 2011. I didn't realize it was that long ago, which tells you that's how long it's been yeah. since I've had a Pete's Wicked Ale. Uh, number three is Falstaff. Um, I have been to the home of the original Staff owners brewery. of the Falstaff Brewery. Uh, it's in St. Louis. It's called the Limp Mansion. Uh, the Limp family were the ones that made uh, Falstaff beer, and supposedly it's haunted. I'll have to ask uh, uh, Miss Teresa. You know, I'm not, knows about uh, I'm not for or against ghosts or people that believe in them, mm-hmm. but I have never personally been bitten by one, so I have absolutely no fear of a ghost. <laughs> Midnight Sun M., from the Midnight Sun uh, Brewing Company. It was last brewed in 2005, a Belgian-style barley wine that oh. was created to celebrate the 10th anniversary of this Alaskan brewery, and it was an instant hit. But since it was a one-off, it's impossible to get, and at one point, bottles were going for $1,500 on eBay. What? 
Yeah, so look for that if you want. Uh, how about Meisterbrow? Have you ever had a Meisterbrow? No. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing ads for it and stuff. I love though. all the syllables, it, though. It became, a, it became a popular local brew in Chicago at the beginning of the 20th century. But when business slowed in the 70s, Miller Brewing Company bought up Meisterbrow, and in 2005, they phased it out. However, Miller Lite, according to this article, actually evolved from Meisterbrow Lite. Huh. So there's something to know. The impact is still felt. Again, the beer may be gone, uh, but you can still find a sign uh, with a uh, uh, a guy drinking Meisterbrow on sale at Amazon if you're really, uh, really interested. Pretty Things Jack D'Or. Boston-based Pretty Things and Beer and Pretty Things Beer and Ale Project was a beloved, whimsical local brewery uh, that some of the more interesting beers on the market uh, in the 2000s came from. They closed their doors in 2015, leaving fans mourning Jack to Or, which was a tangy, lemony beer. They say we'd love to sip again. Southampton Black Raspberry Lambic is number seven. Hmm. I was never a big Lambic fan. Do you like Lambic? I like a Lambic once in a while. Brewed by Long Island Southampton Public House. It's a variation on a, a traditional beer that was truly unique, they say. Aged in wine barrels for nearly two years, Black Raspberry was released to the tune of only 400 bottles directly from the brewery back in 2012. That one is no more. Number eight on the list is the Goose Island King Henry. Hmm. King Henry was an English-style barley wine with a caramel flavor that people went nuts for, probably because it was aged in Pappy Van Winkle 23 barrels, the legendary bourbon. It hasn't been brewed since 2011, but Goose Island's bourbon barrel-aged barley wine is also very delicious. 2011, isn't that about when uh, A.B. bought them? Oh, somewhere in there. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised. Remember, they took away the best lager that Carbach had. Oh, instantaneously. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> oh, we got a lager on our books already. We don't need that. This one I don't mind missing. Ice House Edge. <laughs> Why was there ever a need for ice? Some of these is like, was I know why they went extinct. Nobody went, I think so. It was another victim of the Molson Coors big cut. Uh, it was a high-gravity lager with a dark golden appearance and 8% ABV. A spinoff of Ice House. It was continued uh, just last year, as a matter of fact. Milwaukee's <laughs> and best. And no one has noticed yeah, yet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would never this, have known if it wasn't. This, this is where when you have one of those Family Guy cutscenes, there's just one guy sitting in his basement going, that was my favorite beer. <laughs> <laughs> Milwaukee's Best Premium is number 10 on the list. Uh, it's yet another victim of Molson Coors uh, brand pruning, but the light and ice versions are still brewed. Uh, <laughs> if you're desperate, you may still find it on shelves because it was just discontinued, uh, just discontinued in August of last year. So if you hurry, it may not suck any worse than it would have sucked originally if, uh, when it was fresh. <laughs> if, if you really, really must have Milwaukee's Best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't even finish that sentence. Red, yeah, thank you for not. Uh, red, white, and blue lager is number 11 on the list. Another beer that your parents and grandparents might remember fondly. Uh, it's an easy drinker dated from pre-prohibition days and returned in time for World War II. It was a low-priced brew and moderately popular national seller for decades. I have never had one. A red, white, and blue. Have you? Uh-uh. Mm. Red, white, and blue lager. Is, is Big That's Flats 1901 on this? Uh, no, it is not. Is that is that a beer that's been that, discontinued? That was a beer that I they never had, had one of those. They had it was Walgreens beer, mm. and it was Big Flats 1901. But keep in mind, the 1901 was literally part of the name of the beer, but the way they wrote it on there, it made it look like since 1901. Mm. No, that was just mm. the name, and it was 
awful. Speak- it was like $5 for a six-pack. Speaking of which, do you remember when Walmart started their own line yeah, of craft Yeah, and they beers? never really... I've never, I've yet to see one. Uh-uh. I remember we went to Walmart to try to find yeah. some because we wanted to taste test them. We couldn't find them, and I've never seen them show up. I'm rarely in a Walmart, but when I do, I go through the beer aisle just to see what they have, and they never have anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that Walgreens, nineteen Big Flats 1901, was atrocious beer. I mean, egregious beer. I don't I don't know. They're what gacho malo. It, it was absolutely horrible. <laughs> Um, I'm looking at uh, Walmart beer. Uh, nope, nope. Domestic beer, craft beer. Nope, nope. I guess it either never came out. Remember, there was there was actually some issue surrounding it. I don't remember what it was now, but there was some issue surrounding the Walmart beer. Some claim that they made. Oh, I think it was them claiming to be craft beer, and it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't know if that's what put the kibosh on it. But uh, please let us know if you're uh, if you're on the show notes. Uh, has Walmart? Have you ever had a Walmart craft beer? Have you ever even seen them in a Walmart? Yeah, no one, no one I know has ever seen them. It was a big deal though I've when had, they yeah, first were supposed to come out. Yeah, you know now Trader Joe's has their own sort of house yeah. craft beer uh, things. The ones I've tried, to be honest, have not been that good. They're, they're uh, mediocre at best. They're not terrible. They're just not that. Yeah. Good. So I have a buddy yeah. of mine that works at Trader Joe's, and and and. I've shopped there a few times. I actually mm-hmm. kind of like the shopping experience there, but they do I have do some. They do have some house stuff, and their stuff is affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're just looking for, uh, uh, you know, if you just want a beer, it's not a bad beer. It's just right. not particularly, you know. If you're looking for a vanilla cream cookie, they make the best ones in the world. Really, the Trader Joe's, <laughs> nice. the Trader Joe's house brand. It's amazing. Nice. Like, keep them away from me because I will <laughs> lose all control. Well, it's interesting. Uh, the whole house brand beer thing doesn't seem to have caught on really anywhere. I mean, if you look at somebody like like Specs, our our you know big and and cool uh, uh, brand here, they'll do like barrel selections with different spirits. Yeah. But we've yet to see a Specs beer where they've teamed up with a, a brewery. I think and done with. Uh, I think beer in general is a lot more work. Yeah, like if you want right. to be successful in beer, it's not like something you can make once and then put away and then sell later. Right. Like it has to be a continuous work project, which means there's upkeep, which means there's a lot of places that call themselves breweries, like BJ's and places like that, uh, brew house. Uh, and anytime you see a BJ's, their beer is contracted through some local right place, like uh, like uh, Saint Arnold, for instance. So they're not really a brewery. They're not, but they have their own recipes, and then they contract it through right. them. So it's like me saying, hey, I don't have the facilities to make my cake. Can you make it for me and please use this recipe? It's kind of like if we did a smoking and toasting cigar and got a cigar blender and manufacturer to right. basically produce it for us. Right, very, very much so. Yeah. It's not like we're sitting there um, rolling it ourselves. We'd be involved in the selection of the blend, and there's, but not in the creation. And I don't see anything wrong with that. No, Especially I don't have a if with that. You, when a lot of these places go to, you know, their local, uh, uh, their local big breweries like St. Arnold's is one. That's one of the ways St. Arnold's pays bills. You know, right? Uh, and we're all for that. They're going to brew. Me. They're going to brew stuff for places that need that. You know, out of, out of house uh, brewing solution. So. Uh, and because it, it doesn't make sense as well if your brewing, uh, if your brewing operation is not that big, right? It doesn't make sense to go buy all the equipment, make it happen for a couple beers, and then 
let it sit because you can't let it do that. It either has to be working or not working. We've talked about this, and we should really get serious about setting it up. I would love to do a home brewery competition where we let different home brewers bring us what they consider to be their finest, uh, and we do a little tasting and decide declare a smoking and toasting. We're home talking to UCCSD. Yeah, that foam could be fun. Rangers. That could be fun. There's a few others around. That could town be fun. Too. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's uh, let's work on that and come back to people. We got to come it. up with a uh, catchy name for it. Uh, okay, I'll work on that, or maybe we can get some good catchy name people to work on that. <laughs> on Stark, you with us? <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break and come back. I will mention that we have a pretty exciting show planned for next week because next week's show falls on. St. Patrick's Day. How great is that? That's going to be awesome. Yeah. So we're going to have a really fun show next week. We'll tell you all about it coming up, plus uh, uh, a little peek into what's uh, coming soon on Smoking and Toasting. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting, show number 273. Our brains are shrinking. We went over that. And 11 years, uh, you can never, ever drink again. And uh, probably wouldn't want to. And a couple of them we don't care about. Yeah. So, uh, you there know, were I mentioned, some good ones in there. I mentioned the Walgreens beer and a few others. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce uh, put up AMP used to sell. AMP is a supermarket up uh, uh, around the north yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So, uh, you know, like down here we have HEB. But anyway, used to sell uh, no-name beer. Is like the name of it was no-name beer. Uh-huh. He, he said he returned most of the case still full just to get his deposit back. <laughs> I will just say that I, I, I wish that I had tried it, but I never did. Back when you could go down the generic aisle in your mm-hmm. grocery store, and it was all generic products, and it was just bags of chips that just said corn chips yes. and, and uh, potato chips. And when you got to the beer, it just said beer on the can. Uh, I know, really wish I had tasted that. Just, just to know. Yeah. And just to know what that actually did, in fact, taste like. So, I can guarantee it did not taste like French <laughs> toast tempers. <laughs> Probably not. No. We've just crushed that bottle, by the mm-hmm. way. So. That's pretty awesome. It's very, very. There was good a stuff. when I worked at H and H Music Store, uh, people used to come in, and the most affordable level of band instrument that you could rent or buy was a company called Jean Eric. Jean Eric. Jean Eric. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty tongue in cheek, right? Yes, it is. Well, it, you know, there's a lot of, lot of creative, a uh, lot of creative naming out there, right? Yeah, it, it but happens. that was the actual name on the instrument, Jean Eric. Well, uh, we, we should. It's try. French, of course. If we could gather enough of it, it would be fun to do a generic beer taste test. But um, <laughs> it would, it would only be slightly more fun than the. Uh, <clears throat> Malt liquor show that we did, which I still remember with horror. <laughs> Never well, again. Well, did you enjoy the the light beer taste testing better than the malt liquor taste oh, testing? Oh, without doubt, because <laughs> because I didn't keep tasting the light beer for the next several days. Uh, it's a, it has and a with stick the to malt, your gut. The malt liquor too, I did. Oh, uh, it it took me a couple of days before I could actually enjoy a real beer again because that taste was just still there. It was still there. Man, imagine the hangover from that if you, if you like, drank. Oh, oh. oh. <sighs> Worst hangover I ever had in my life was from Mad Dog 2020. Oh, yeah, I bet. I bet, I bet the malt liquor hangover is a lot like the that. The Mad Dog 2020. That was nasty. 
That was just nasty. It was uh, it was given to me well, as a, a bottle of it was given to me as a gag gift at a party I was at one it, time. And it gagged you, and 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 it did. And then you know, here's how smart we were. We all thought, oh, it'd be fun to open that and have some. That was not a good. Idea. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, just so you know, uh, in my uh, brew club, CCSD, occasionally we have what we call 80s night. Mm -hmm. And 80s night is when everybody brings two 40 ounces. Yeah. <laughs> well, there are some things you can get in a 40 ounce that at least are not as bad as malt liquor. <laughs> like like Little King Cream Ales you can get in a 40 uh, in some states. That's, that's not very good. I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying it's not Old English. <laughs> There's that. That's, that's I what will I'm tell saying. you though. Uh, uh, after after experiencing a few of these '80s nights, uh, which I generally never made it to 80, 40 was enough for me. Yeah, I hear that because it's hard to crack open that second one. Huh. I, I mean, ugh. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think actually there's still one in the in the beer fridge up at the clubhouse right mm. now. That mm. I just I, I couldn't ugly. do it. That's ugly. But I will tell you that that I think. And I'd have to go back and watch the program, but as far as I can remember, Old English is one of the least offensive of them, and is is the one that I always end up uh, buying on '80s night. Uh, mm -hmm. Partially also because one time I was in the D and Q Mart mm -hmm. over on Richmond, which is this fantastic little beer store here in Houston. If you're in the area, and uh, and I was standing at the counter and I looked over and I said, "Are those forty ounce koozies <laughs> that say Old English?" In the shape of a crown, and he looks at me. He goes, "Yes." I said, "I think I have to own that." <laughs> so I get to use mine once every, you know, six or eight months. Whenever we do our eighties night, yeah, that's and it's cool. funny. I think I bought a Firestone Walker pint glass there. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's just ah, cool. That's a, yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's better than a forty ounce koozie. But, you know. <laughs> gotta have that. Uh, we got a couple of interesting things coming up here on Smoking and Toast, and I want to tell you about. Uh, the first one will be next week. Uh, Ian and I will be hosting the show, uh, and uh, we will be doing a. Really, no Irish be, accents. Well, no, no Irish accents. We promise, and and we promise not to play. Um, I would walk five hundred miles by the Proclaimers because that's <laughs> what everybody does. Uh, we we can't do it legally anyway. But here's the thing: we are going to do an Irish whiskey blind taste test, and I think this will be fun. Irish whiskey, as we reported here on the show several weeks ago, is poised to overtake Scotch whiskey. In sales in the United States this year. Now, when you say Irish whiskey blind taste test, there's like three ways we can take that, okay? okay? Does that mean that we try a bunch of them and one of them might make you go blind? <laughs> or does that mean we <laughs> try enough of them to make ourselves go blind? That's another way. Or do we actually blind ourselves and then try them? I think we blind ourselves and then okay, try them. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. No, uh, but the, the reality is it'll be it'll be fun to compare them, you know, side by side, yeah. sight unseen, and see which ones we wind up really liking the most. Yeah, because you know uh, we've done whiskey and Scotch taste tests, but mm -hmm. but not a lot of people do. Uh, Irish whiskey taste. Yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. Well, with it becoming such a big deal, mm -hmm. I think the timing is perfect. So that's next week. And then the following week on the 24th of March, we are proud to welcome Docs, our good friend Greg Doxakis from uh, Plantation Love Rum. Love that guy. And Michael Garfield together on the show. I can't wait. Uh, so that's going to be super fun. Yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be lots of plantation and lots of, you know, ridiculous talk. And then we won't be... All by ourselves. No, we will not. <laughs> the only question is, will we talk about cigars with a Nicaraguan 
Pepper Blast. That's Pepper so, Blast. Isn't that terrible? So awkward. It really is. Now, you know, uh, do I need to bring somebody in on our uh, blind taste test? Do I need to bring in a third element? Oh, uh, that could work. Maybe I'll do you ask have somebody around. in mind? Maybe, maybe I'll ask around and see if somebody's off work well, that day. Ask, ask and see if they have an Irish whiskey they could bring By you off the work, test. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> off work. Long lunch. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, uh, if if that's the case, make sure they have some Irish whiskey they can bring and add to the uh, uh, to the taste. I want to ask around. Maybe we'll have mystery guests. Okay. That sounds good. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. We have tried some uh, pretty impressive uh, products here. We've had a good time. We talked about attacking turkeys. What more do you want? I mean, uh, you're getting you're getting all of this at, absolutely, at absolutely no cost to to you. That's a good thing. Uh, We do want to wish you a really awesome week. Have a great one, my friends. And uh, I've got a little bit left here, so I'll use that Uh, to toast as we toast out. Do you have... Oh. I'm out. I just have to... Well, you got to do something. Yeah, there's nothing in there. Uh, All right, hold on. Music's going. Uh, You better put some rum in there. Well, if you're going to do that, put some rum in mine, too. (laughs) A little rum in the cup. A little whiskey in the bottle, right? Also, coming up in two weeks... How do you deal with the drunken sailor? <laughs> Yarg. Cheers, y'all. Cheers, y'all.